Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw! You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. We are back in the booth on a rainy and sleety Monday. Nasty kind of day. Only good in a white Christmas kind of way, but... It- too far away for that even so uh, not a lot of positives out of uh, the way we join you on this Monday today rehashing a, a Syracuse basketball loss looking ahead to a big one tomorrow night at the Dome should be a lot of fun Orange uh, no surprise out of the uh, national rankings after their six point loss against Old Dominion on Saturday and Buffalo comes in 10-0 and and rock solid this is a, a team that maybe last year you thought you know, that's kind of cute, isn't it? They're winning some games in the MAC and they'd made the tournament. Yeah, then they went and blasted Arizona by 21 in the first round of the NCAAs. And then they brought a lot of those guys back. Uh, they're good and are off to a, a really good start this year. No trouble with Southern Illinois for them on Saturday. So they haven't played a super daunting schedule, but they did go to West Virginia and win. West Virginia is not tremendous uh, this year, but to go there and win in overtime, I don't care who you are. You're doing something right. So that's a big win for uh, Buffalo. And then they went to Ireland and won twice and uh, came back and have been fine since. So uh, it's a pretty well put together team. And it's a team that it can beat Syracuse in the way that, you know, the first thing Coach Beheim said when he brought up the uh, Old Dominion loss was we got beaten on a physical level and we're going to see that again against Buffalo. Buffalo's Best player is a guy named C.J. Massenberg, who's a, a really prolific scorer, about 6'5", out of Dallas. They have a really good shooter, Jeremy Miller, 6'7". But one thing that makes them unique is they bring a total hoss off the bench in Nick Perkins, who actually did start the game last year here in the Dome, but uh, has mostly been off the bench. He had 20 points and 11 rebounds in their win on Saturday, 6'8", 250 pounds, and he's a guy that uh, has every right to think that he will expose uh, where Syracuse is uh, in the front court right now. The Orange are not getting anything from those players offensively. You know Whether they can stand their own defensively, I think, remains to be seen and an important game tomorrow night. It's an 8 o'clock game at the Dome, so a little longer wait uh, than usual for that one. So uh, looking forward to it. We'll be there for you with the broadcast on TK99 and a 6.30 pregame show tomorrow. If you'd like to join us with your thoughts on the game Saturday, you can do that at 315-437-7644, 315-4ESPN44. We'll visit with Tom Wormy of the ACC Network later in the show about that game and what he's seen around the ACC plus ACC Bowl games coming up. Ducked in on uh, Syracuse football practice just for a few minutes on the way down uh, to uh, the studio today. And by the time I'd gotten there, they were just working with the 2019 team. So what uh, Coach Babers and his staff are doing, they go through their practices, they game plan for West Virginia, they work on some of that, then they turn the seniors loose, and then they practice for another 30 or 45 minutes with guys that are returning only. And so you start to see some different folks out there that have been maybe in scout team roles or 
what have you. Uh, that's a Tommy DeVito led team there, you know, at quarterback at least as, as a sophomore. And you know whether he will be the the face of the team and the team leader in the same way next year that Eric Dungey has been this year remains to be seen. It would be unlikely or not as common uh, for a sophomore quarterback to jump into that role and in quite the same way. So uh, keep an eye on that. But one thing we uh, did talk with Coach Babers about is his approach for this bowl, and he says he wants to have most of the work done before traveling to the bowl. The team is going on Christmas Eve. They'll have various commitments related to some community stuff that the bowl committee has them doing, plus some fun. They'll do the Disney property. They've got a Best Buy shopping spree, uh, so they'll do some of that uh, good stuff. But he wants to have the game planning and whatever they're installing and whatever players they're kind of bringing up for the game, he wants that to be uh, squared away before they depart. Travel on Christmas Eve, uh, spend Christmas Day doing some things, and then one padded practice, he said, down there uh, in Florida. They'll walk through at the stadium on the uh, the 27th, the day before the game, and then play the game at uh, 5.15 on Friday the uh, 28th. So that's the schedule. Uh, he wants them to have a little bit of fun and feel as though they've earned it here, and uh, that's kind of what we will see with that group uh, on the, the football side. He was asked uh, today quite a bit about using – various players that we haven't seen yet. You may have seen the note that the uh, transfer talent, and these guys figure to be a huge boost uh, to the roster, Tristan Jackson, the wide receiver from Michigan State, and Abdul Adams, the running back from Oklahoma. They are technically eligible for the game. I wouldn't hold my breath on them playing a ton, but uh, there might be a a package or something simple that they could put them in on because he doesn't want to put anybody in that doesn't know – not just the playbook, which they don't technically even have an actual playbook, not just that to begin with. He wants to, somebody that's going to have the adjustments and to be able to play at tempo because that's who Syracuse is. If they're not, if they're holding up for any player that is a bit behind or the wheels are turning slowly for that player, then they're not going to be uh, who they want to be offensively. So let's uh, get that stuff out of the way. We'll take a break here, come back and commiserate a little bit on this uh, and Old Dominion game. We'll hit some of the weekend highlights for you. Sneak in a call or two if you'd like at 4 ESPN 44. Brought to you today by CH Insurance. We're in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance. In your corner. Back in the booth on ESPN Radio. Hope you enjoyed the women's basketball blowout win against Niagara today, as expected, in front of a huge crowd. 6,000 school kids uh, had the opportunity to uh, watch the gang up there today. And uh, the Orange women remain unbeaten. Everybody unbeaten in the Dome this uh, school year, except for the Syracuse men who suffered that loss on Saturday, 68-62. We're going to head up to practice here in a little bit, talk to uh, Coach Beheim to get ready for tomorrow's game. And you know, I think it's got to be tough for a coach to say, hey, we lost this one on uh, physicality and you know the other team kind of punched us in the mouth and we didn't respond, and I'm not sure if that's something you address. You know, can you practice it? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out and see uh, how they come back. The free throw thing I wouldn't worry about too much. It certainly didn't help in the game on Saturday, but this is historically a pretty good free throw shooting team. Uh, the thing that would concern me about free throws is that O'Shea Brissett, who last year shot close to 80%, is a lot closer to 70% this year. Jalen Carey, who I think is gonna, you're going to start seeing him play more, has not shown to be a tremendous foul shooter to this point. That Tyus Battle missed a couple more than usual, I'm not 
too worried about it. 11 for 15, he's typically going to make between 12 and 14 out of 15. And uh, to his credit, he was right back out on the floor uh, shooting free throws after the game, after the fans had left on uh, Saturday afternoon. The common theme, of course, is getting more out of the center position. You know, is there a magic wand to make that happen? It beats me. It seems to me the offensive rebounds and putbacks are going to be what works for them. They had three offensive rebounds between the two of them. They had one shot in the game between the two of them. So uh, just not a lot happening right now between Pascal Chuku and uh, Barama Sidibe combined. Another free throw thing. Are you worried about O'Shea only going getting to the line three times? Well, he just doesn't. He he plays out above the three-point arc. I mean, to me, something's got to change there. He was one of five on two-pointers. And I don't have a shot chart here. Um, I would just like to see him go to the basket. He's a good enough three-point shooter, but only when that's like plan B and a complementary part of his game. Uh, I think if he's putting pressure on the defense, if he's playing at 15 feet and in, if they ever just threw it to him uh, inside, I think something good would, would come from that. I would like to get him to the line because I think he, you know, in the long run is an okay Foul shooter just has been a little bit off this year. He was one for three. Uh, That's not enough a, for him. Huh? That's not enough for him. He's got to be no. Uh, yeah, he more. should have double double the free throw attempts. I mean, if he went four for six, isn't great shooting, but it, it, you know, at least it, that's three more points there. And and uh, and Old Dominion didn't shoot free throws in the game well either. But the the guy who needed to get to the line for them uh, did and got going and did some damage. So free throw shooting stuff can be. A little misleading. I think people uh, overreact to it because it looks like it uh, should be easy, and everybody thinks it's easy. Um, it, it's not as easy as it as it seems. I think with Syracuse, you look in that game. You know, when you have Brahma Sadibe at the line, you you just can't count on him to make many. His going over two is is missing. You know, one point tops. Uh, Frank Howard and, and O'Shea Brissett combined for eight free throws. You'd like to see that be 12. Um, that's a, I'm talking about attempts. And if they make uh, 10 of the 12 or 9 of the 12, uh, as they should between those two players, then uh, now you're looking about adding you know five, six points in a game that you lost by six, a game that you had a 12-point lead early in the, the second half on. Let's spin through some of the NFL highlights and lowlights from yesterday, and then we can get back to uh, basketball as time permits. Tom Wormy of the ACC Network is uh, coming up on the uh, back end of the show today. The Bills home against the Lions, which is a bit of a homecoming for uh, VVS high school product Matt Patricia, the head coach of the Lions. And uh, Lions scored 13 points in the second quarter, but nothing outside of that. Uh, Bills able to uh, pull it out in the end. They game-winning touchdown from our friend John Murphy. Here's the snap. Allen takes a look. Standing in the pocket. Fires it downfield. Looking for uh, Foster. Makes the catch at the five. Headed into the end zone. And he is in. Touchdown! Touchdown! 42 yards. Robert Foster makes the catch at the five and scoots into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo. So Josh Allen's getting better and better every week and uh, able to outlast the Lions there. The Lions were not very good. They were uh, mathematically eliminated uh, from the playoffs. Uh, Last year they had a much better record and still didn't make the playoffs. So it was one of the reasons that uh, Patricia favored that job over others. But they're now 5-9 and and going nowhere. The Bills are 
five and nine as well. Uh, got to three and four at home with that one. I saw where uh, Matt Patricia got some uh, more infamy when he uh, dropped an F-bomb in his post-game radio interview on their uh, flagship radio station. So uh, I think Matt's a guy who's been going 1,000 miles an hour getting his first job here. Uh, I hope, you know, for somebody that knows him a little bit, that he's he has a chance just to unplug from this year, press the reset button, and, and get a, a chance to, to reset because I'm, there's a bunch of things that have happened in this uh, first year that he would like to have back. Uh, NFL football being as it is, the – Giants have been rolling, uh, kind of having things going in the right direction for a while, breathing some life into uh, a forgettable season otherwise, and then with a thud in the rain yesterday at MetLife, shut out by the Titans, and uh, maybe the highlight of the day, Verona Beach native, Blossvale, New York's own, Riley Dixon picking up a first down for the G-Men. Dixon takes the snap, he bobbles it, now he's going to run with it on a fake. Dixon slides at the Tennessee 45. So for those of you, the Dixon for Heisman crowd is a really good athlete, played quarterback some at uh, CBA, can throw it a mile, and a uh, really good guy from a good family. Good to see uh, something good happen for him. It was making the most of a, of a bad situation. He had dropped the snap. Everybody headed up the field. There was nobody around. And so after a little bit of a, a juggle of the snap, he had running room in front of him, and uh, at six five or whatever he is, had the ability to uh, pick him up and put him down and, and pick up a first down there. But uh, Eli Manning in the game uh, threw for 229 yards and an interception, uh, completed less than 50% of his passes. Derrick Henry uh, pounded it for 33 carries, 170 yards, and two touchdowns as the uh, Titans picked up the win there. And in really the most impactful game of the day, Paulie's Steelers at Heinz Field against the the Patriots, handed the Patriots their fifth loss of the season and uh, able to uh, play well when the game was on the line and mattered most. Fourth down, four-man rush. He takes the snap. He waits. He throws it for the goal line. And it's broken up at the goal line. And this is a game in the history books intended for Bob Papa, WFAN on the uh, Giants uh, play-by-play courtesy and uh, our man Bill Hillgrove with Tunch Oaken on the uh, Steelers call there. Steelers took, got the field goal to go up 17-10, and I thought, well, that's all all they need now. The Patriots uh, with uh, Tom Brady, they'll go right down the field and, and, uh, and score, and they almost did, but uh, came up just short. Late game as well, the Rams looked like maybe they were in position to get the ball one final time and uh, – go down and score either the game-tying touchdown or uh, go for a two-point conversion at home in their case uh, to win, but they muffed a punt, and uh, that um, significantly hurt their chances and uh, lost a lot of time doing that. So that is another week in uh, NFL action, week 15 in the books. So your Steelers, Paulie, they went from out of the playoffs to back to now, I think it's 84% in the playoffs. It's still not that... Not that easy. They yeah. can lose the division, yeah. The The Ravens have the Browns and the Chargers over the next two weeks, and the Steelers have the Saints and the Bengals. So, Yes. 
you'd like to call us, you can. The phone lines are open at 315-437-7644 ESPN 44. Right when I got to the station today, Polly, speaking of uh, Polly uh, sports fan teams uh, and your ubiquitous Padres cap, have you seen the uh, somebody photoshopped Bryce Harper into a Padres uniform? That's been the talk. Uh-huh. I don't know where they're going to get the money for that, but uh, they're somehow... In... To sell a lot of fish tacos for that. I, I think they just throw their name in the hat on these to keep the fan base Well, it just makes so up. much sense, doesn't it, that they would actually, one of these days, lure a quality free agent at San, it's, uh, San but, Diego, after all. But Chato makes way more sense than Harper because their outfield's already loaded. Well, loaded in a Padres sense. <laughs> Padres sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. Machado makes way more sense if you're going to spend that money, but who knows? I'll take anybody. They haven't had a star. Probably, I was going to say, that's probably what Trevor got you in trouble in the first place. The I'll take anybody mentality. Uh, back to basketball, and you know I think people want to make this out to be a, a really bad loss, and it's a bad loss. There's no question about it. One of the – I'm just not going – first of all, Old Dominion's better than you give credit. Old Dominion has you know a really good shot to make the tournament. They've won 25 games three of the last four years. This is not uh, a, a bottom feeder program, but it is a program from a likely one-bid league and, and that type of thing. Uh, it's not a game Syracuse should have lost or should be proud of losing or should feel great about. Uh, I'm just thinking it's it's not a season-over type situation. The thing I would say with an asterisk is the Buffalo game doesn't so much make up for it because you've already kind of budgeted that as a win. But you're supposed to win your non-conference home games. And so... While I do think Syracuse has a really good shot to win tomorrow, and that would be their best win of the season and and something really valuable, it's, well, because they did win against a similarly ranked team on the road, so it would be on par with the the Ohio State win. Um, To make up for the old Dominion game, you're going to have to get a conference game somewhere along the line that maybe you didn't see coming. You know, at this point... You're not going to want to go 500 in the league with the non-conference schedule looking like it is for Syracuse right now. They're at uh, seven and three with three games remaining. Still, uh, Buffalo, Arkansas State, and Bonaventure on the uh, non-conference schedule ahead, and you don't want to have more than three non-conference losses. If you have four, now you're talking about you, you take you know seven, eight losses at minimum, probably you know. Can't say that for certain, but third place in the conference last year lost seven games. So you're going to lose six, seven games in the league. I don't care how good you are, you know, outside of the very top teams. Uh, Carolina, Duke, and Virginia look to be exempt from that, but everybody else, uh, you know, will be in that heavy middle of the pack. And so it's about to be a major dogfight in the ACC. And I think uh, Syracuse is capable of beating those uh, top teams when things click, but they've not so far. And uh, has people a bit concerned? I don't want another year on the bubble. I <laughs> well, to me, it's, it's, it's I mean, fun, I'm not, kind of. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not rooting for it, but it's part of the fun. Nah. And and uh, I've said all along, yes, this team has maybe more talent and and some additions that are nice off of last year's team without a lot of subtractions. But there's no guarantee. You're going to have a better season, and you can win more games in the regular season. There's no guarantee you're going to have the tournament performance that uh, they had last year, and that's what made last year uh, so much fun and so exciting. And we will, uh, we shall see. That's why they play the games 
but it's back in the lab now for this team. They've, uh, you know, would behoove them to get this one tomorrow night. Then, you know, more practice time leading up to the Arkansas State game. They'll be heavily favored for that one. Then you've got uh, nothing until the following Saturday, except for a, a little break, I'm sure, for the guys to uh, to get home in a couple cases if they're able to to get away and see their families. And then the game on the 29th, and then the conference season opens just after the first of the year. We will have a uh, Jim Beheim show Thursday night at uh, Carabas out in Fayetteville at the uh, Fayetteville Town Center. Carabas Italian Grill, good crowd out there this past week, and hope that uh, folks will come and join us for that. Be back with uh, Do We Care on the show here in just a moment, and then uh, Tom Wormy of the ACC Network. Tomorrow on the show, Cameron Lynch of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and our friend from uh, Buffalo, the play-by-play announcer of UB Basketball, Josh Wetzel will uh, join us on the show tomorrow. That's all ahead as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. Welcome back in the booth. Do we care? Coming up in just a moment, but we thought we would sneak in a phone call first. We go to Matt in Rochester. Joins us on the show. Hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Rochester. Is it not Matt? I'm Matt. Is he Matt? He's in Rochester. He's in Rochester. Matt in Rochester. Yeah. Hello, Matt. He's gone. Hey, I can hear him there. I can hear your breath, Matt. Speak words. <laughs> well, I think this has been a good visit. You wanted to talk about Chuku. I, I appreciate it. Here's my guess. Why do our centers stink? Well, I think what people think is... <laughs> That it should be a lot easier than it is. Here's here's the deal. It's hard to be seven two and coordinated and tough and physically built and all that. It's a lot harder than you think it is. And there aren't a lot of teams that have guys that are better. Okay, you look at who's been on the schedule so far. Oregon, Bull Bull, total freak. Set him aside. Okay, there's about three of him in the country. Buffalo's going to come in with this guy, Nick Perkins. He's 6'8", 250. You know, he's an Arinze Onowaku type that's been here over time. D- different kind of guy. The The types of players that Syracuse can recruit, I mean, you aren't going to get A-listers at every position. Um, look at who uh, Old Dominion had. They had seven-footers that went to other schools and didn't work out. And tra- you know, they, And they're not like superstar players. They're just not that good. You know, I, I think what frustrates people is they think, well, if I was 7 2, it's not as easy as you think. And I think it is frustrating to see them not finish. Uh, Chuku's just not a tough guy, um, in my observation. And maybe I'm missing something, you know. But what would bother me most about Chuku, you know, Sidibe's, I think, still favoring his knees, not himself, you know, based on injury. What would bother me the most is not so much that they're not scoring or that they don't call plays for him or throw him. I, I wouldn't call plays for him either, I don't think. I mean, they haven't shown that they can consistently catch the ball and do something with it. It's that you're right underneath the basket and you get rooted out by a guy. You know, somebody blows you off the floor. Um, that, to me, uh, is the biggest area that that's lacking. Um if they got just the easy ones, just a couple of putbacks, just a couple of drop-offs, that's six or eight points right there. There should be that many points in the game, I would think, for Chuku. Uh, 
he's he averaged you know five and a half points a game last year. This year he's right at five with five rebounds. You know if he averaged eight and six, I think that'd be good. But he you know and again you got to then you add him to Sadibe. Their averages right now are eight and eight. Um, you got to get twelve and ten out of them. You know between the two. You're not asking for them to be Kareem, and they're not going to be Kareem. But uh, just a, a little bit more. And uh, I, I think you're not losing the game solely at that position, but that's an area where just not getting a lot out of them uh, offensively and and the uh, defensive aspect of it is where you think they could maybe provide something. But uh, – it hasn't happened yet, so I know that's frustrating for folks. So maybe that was it, care? Matt Rochester. Maybe it wasn't. No way, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care I'm going to save one of these stories for tomorrow because we it's too good not to talk about. New York Knicks owner James Dolan has put the New York Liberty up for sale. Said he couldn't rule out selling the Knicks, and the, if the right offer came along. Feeler offers is a term I've come up with myself. He's come had a couple feeler offers at five billion dollars. Sounds like you in high school. Uh, I don't have that kind of money. Five billion would that get you just the Knicks, or does it get you also the Rangers and the the Garden? What do I get for my five B? I think it's just the Knicks, just right? the team. Well, I think Knicks fans would love it if he if he sold. sold. Imagine yeah. sitting on that. My goodness, who's got five bill? More people have five bill probably than you know, but um, it'd be pretty cool to be the owner of the Knicks, the Rangers, and Madison Square Garden, I would think. That's, that's got to open some doors for you. And the you Liberty. Life. Come on, man. And the Liberty. Well, he's, he's parting with that. He's moving some pieces around. The World Series champion Red Sox owe $12 million in luxury tax for having a baseball's top payroll. The only other team that owes money are the Washington Nationals, who must pay two mil their second straight year. Yeah, so this is just kind of the ripple effect of what was happening last year in the offseason market. Teams weren't really diving in and uh, spending a lot of money, and so they didn't go over the cap. We talked about this off the air last week. I think if you're a baseball fan, you want your team to spend over the cap. What do you care if they have a you know luxury tax? It's not like they're saying, hey, well, we're spending below the tax uh, this year and we're cutting ticket prices and hot dogs are 50 cents apiece. That money's not really coming back to you in the Major League Baseball sphere. So Red Sox had a really, really good team, paid for it, and this is the way it should be. A man in England found a glitch in an ATM. He had $5 in his ATM, tried to buy his friends around a drink, didn't go through, went to the ATM, tried to force $100 out of it, came out. He realized that if he went after 1 o'clock while the banks were closed... His ATM, this ATM would Banks give close it, at one o'clock. Well, at one a.m. I guess there's oh, a system yeah. update. Okay, so he would get. They didn't know how much he had. Whatever money he asked for out, took four million dollars out, bought himself a jet, <laughs> and escorts with the money overnight before anybody figured it out. He the first night he took three hundred, five hundred, one thousand out, and then just kept going for months. Yeah, <laughs> God. So he. Was there a limit on how much he could take out at any given time? No, so he, no he was just taking... He well, you had, don't go say, hey, I'm taking $4 million out right now. No, he did it. He, he did at least it piecemeal. Used, yeah, but he got enough out to buy a plane. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what, he show up a plane in cash? Then he's buying a plane in cash? <laughs> yeah, and, you, escorts, everything. He was, well, he was hey, living the life. Living that poly mm-hmm. life.
He enjoyed it. I like that. Good for him. Creative. Didn't even get caught. Of course, caught. he's going to the ATM at 1, one in the morning. to give you a pretty good <laughs> idea what he's been up to and how he's been thinking about it. All right, when we come back, we'll have uh, Tom Wormy from the uh, ACC Network. Tom and Mike Jaminski had the game Saturday. Tomorrow's game is an 8 o'clock start, so we'll have that for you then. Back with that as we continue in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. Booth, everybody. Show brought to you, as always, by CH Insurance. We thank them for that. They're uh, in your corner right through the holiday season. And in our corner today is Tom Wormy, the uh, voice of the game the other day on television and ACC Network. Uh, he and Mike Jaminski on the other side of the table watching the Orange uh, suffer their first home loss of the season, falling to Old Dominion. And Tom, uh, good to have you on. And I wondered what uh, perspective you and G-Man had over there, because I, I know from our side, it's a healthy halftime lead for Syracuse and Old Dominion is chipping away, but it seemed to happen pretty quickly that Old Dominion flipped the game in a decisive fashion. Yeah, it was, it was always a thrill though, Matt. It's uh, it's always a thrill when I get a chance to go back to campus as a 91 graduate. <laughs> and you're right. The first thing that strikes me is the halftime lead. And not only that, I believe it was Hughes, Matt, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but, Syracuse got a three-pointer early in the second half, so the lead went to 13 at one point. And then I guess maybe just a little complacency might have set in. Um, Old Dominion trying to go on the road and, and pull off this, what I thought was kind of a stunning upset based on the parameters of the game to that point. And they just weren't they weren't bashful about the three-pointer, about getting to the free-throw line. They made a lot of their free-throws in the second half. And it just seemed that, and Mike Jaminski made this observation on a number of occasions that the offense got a little bit stagnant, maybe a little bit too too much of the one-on-one action. And as Coach Beheim mentioned in the post game, he just needs a little bit more, and maybe it is just a little bit more out of that center position. Um, be it Tuku, who picked up a couple of early fouls with over overly aggressive plays, um, Sadibe in there as well for size inside. But it just was a weird way the game turned out and then you had fifth who's their leading scorer who had nothing in the first half and 18 in the second half but you know i think they'll rebound from it quite nicely nicely matt as the season goes along and uh, hopefully it's a learning experience the orange have another big test tomorrow night against a buffalo team that remains unbeaten and in the the top 15 you know you used the word stunning i saw a couple headlines after the game stunning i did not walk away feeling like that necessarily was an appropriate word i think it's a uh kick to the stomach, I think, from a Syracuse perspective that they lost the game. Old Dominion's better than people give them credit, so I don't to me it wasn't stunning except that that is maybe the impression you're left with when you go that far to build the lead that they did, and as you said, it was uh, 10 at halftime, and then it grew a little bit uh, early in the second half, so I I think everybody may have let their guard down a little bit to think the game was in the bag. Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel that way. And maybe surprising is a better word based on the fact they had the double-digit lead at halftime. They hadn't lost at home. And think of the momentum they built up, Matt, from, and you see them closer than anybody else from those early season losses against UConn and Oregon, and the team was starting to come together, and you've got battle playing so well. But what Coach Beheim said, and this kind of resonated with me after the game, was, look, and he, I think he put it on the rest of the team, Tyus Battle cannot simply do it himself, although he has in the past to some extent but he just, he just can't do it himself. And the, the, I think the best thing about it is you turn right around and you play this Buffalo team. And then luckily enough, I'll be back in 
Syracuse on Saturday to call the, uh, the game against Arkansas State. And then you look forward to conference play. So I think the challenges keep on coming. So you really can't dwell too much on a loss against Old Dominion, which hopefully by season's end you've long forgotten and you've scored some quality wins in conference play and lived up to your potential, and you're right back in the NCAA tournament. Tom Wormy is our guest from ACC Network. You heard him uh, on the broadcast on Saturday. He and Mike Jaminski, and as he said, he'll be back for that uh, Saturday game against Arkansas State. Arkansas State, for what it's worth, doesn't fit the profile of uh, some of these opponents that Syracuse has had so far that have been at the top of their conference, like Northeastern, Old Dominion, and, and certainly Buffalo. So right. if they can get things straightened out against Buffalo, might be able to, <laughs> exactly, to yeah. pad the stats a little know. bit against Arkansas State. But you don't know, and that's why they play the games. Uh, we can switch gears a little bit to what else is happening around the conference while we've got you here, Tom. And later on Saturday night, North Carolina picked up a great win at home, uh, taking care of Gonzaga 103-90 to and Coach Williams has been talking about, like all coaches do at this time of year, trying to put everything together and uh, look like they did that as they were able to get a, a big early lead and, and hold the Zags at arm's length the rest of the way. Yeah, what a great win uh, for the conference and for North Carolina. Had maybe an early stumble in the season, but now they seem to be back. The conference is just it's just so strong. There's a good group of, of teams at the top of the league and certainly North Carolina and Duke and Virginia involved in, in that group. I had a chance to call a Virginia game against the Virginia Commonwealth, which is, is another solid mid-major team. And maybe that line is continually being blurred by those teams and in, in what they're classified as mid-majors, but a great win by Virginia as well against that team. And they're obviously a suffocating defensive team and have some offensive weapons, but North Carolina, they really have everything you'd, you'd like to have with the senior leadership from Luke May. And then they've got some great younger players as well and a good mix of guys. And for them to be Gonzaga the way they did after Gonzaga roared all the way to the top of the rankings and come up with a win like that, I think things, for the most part, and really the only stumble by the conference happened to be Syracuse last weekend. Right. But for the most part, this conference is, I, I just feel so lucky to be able to watch these games and be so close to these games and tied into them every single week. And it's all going to lead up to coming to my adopted hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, when we play the tournament here in a couple of months. That's right. Looking forward to that uh, come the springtime. Some of the other Saturday results around the league, Virginia Tech beat our friend uh, Mike Hopkins on a neutral floor, 73-61. NC State moved to 9-1 and with a win against uh, Penn State by double digits. Pittsburgh, who you know last year didn't win a conference game and should be the dregs of the league, uh, you know not a challenging opponent in Maryland Eastern Shore, but that game was never close. Yep. And uh, Louisville, who also is working through some restructuring, is also eight and three. So that to me provi- starts to provide a little bit of alarm. You know, I- I'm not uh, terribly scared about the Syracuse season ahead, but and I do think this team has the opportunity to be better than last in the regular season. But the problem is. So is everybody else. You know, once you get into conference play, uh, this truly will be, you know, almost an NBA type feel where on any given night, either team can win. Yeah. And the teams that you mentioned right at the beginning there, as you went down the scores from Saturday, Virginia Tech and NC State, which just extended the contract to Kevin Keats. And he's done a wonderful job as far as fitting some pieces into that program. But Virginia Tech, keep in mind, um, they they went through some changes right before the start of the season. And Clark was dismissed from the team and, but they've got the great, you know, the experienced leadership with Justin Robinson and what they've been able to do. Their only loss this season came against Penn state in the ACC big 10 challenge. So that's a, that's a team. And 
Buzz Williams has them on an incredible trajectory, getting them back to the tournament and doing all the things that they've been able to do. And they have quite a unique atmosphere in the ACC in their building at Castle Coliseum. So, I mean, it's a, there's so many great stories that emerge from the conference, and we are certainly hoping that Syracuse will be one of them when the season comes to an end. Yeah, you're not kidding. Uh, games tonight around the league, uh, you know, Wake Forest and Georgia Tech are probably at the bottom of the league. They both have uh, home games tonight where they are uh, should be in pretty good shape uh, against uh, against lesser competition, although I, I see Wake as a home underdog against Davidson. That's never a good sign. And uh, Bob Florida McKillop State. and Davidson, you can never, no, never I count know. them you, out. You they can't play count out the challenging Wildcats. schedule, too, around here in this area here in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, let's switch gears quickly just for a couple minutes uh, on football, Tom. And speaking of contract extensions, uh, what do you think is the conference viewpoint of uh, Dino Babers getting re-upped? Well, I think that everybody sees that Coach Babers and for the foreseeable future on the schedule is without question uh, a challenging game for every team that's going to run into them for the next few years. I got a chance to see Tommy DeVito come in in the double overtime game at homecoming at the Dome and he coming in for Eric Dungy and winning the game in double overtime. So if that's a preview or a prelude to what, uh, what is to come at that position, that, that's certainly a good sign. Uh, but the fact that they're back in a bowl game after a few years and going down to Orlando, and I'm going to try to make the trip down there. I think there's a lot of excitement around the program, and why not? And I did run into Coach Babers, actually, at the hotel on game day on Saturday, and we had a, just a quick exchange. And I, I think the the whole feeling around the program and the coaching staff is extremely positive. A lot of smiles. Saw defensive co- coordinator Brian Ward as well. And uh, it's going to be exciting and, and kind of rekindling the old feel with West Virginia, getting to play them. Matt, I'm going to date myself here. When I was a, um, a sophomore, I want to say, the, the, the run to the Sugar Bowl um, with McPherson at quarterback and, McPherson is, and Dick McPherson as the head coach, I was still in school. Two-point conversion to Michael Owens into the end zone against West Virginia to win that game to – to go undefeated during the regular season. So I was in the crowd for that game and now come all the way back around and play West Virginia in the bowl game. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Probably the single best uh, Carrier Dome <laughs> game of all time. Certainly one of the all-time greats and uh, really for best of all time, it, it's in the discussion basically with only one other game, the, the Nebraska upset in uh, 1984. Tom Wormy with go. us uh, just for another minute. Any of these other games stick out for you? Uh, Wake Forest will be first up in terms of uh, bowl action. I, I saw where they kind of made it known, hey, we're happy to have this thing wrapped up by Christmas, so they wind up in the Birmingham Bowl against Memphis. Yeah. I think BC-Boise State could be a good game. Uh, Virginia gets uh, South Carolina. Wisconsin uh, is the visitor to play Miami in the, the Pinstripe Bowl. Uh, so some uh, unusual pairings in, in some of these, all leading up, of course, to uh, Clemson's participation in the CFP. Yeah, I would give credit to Wake Forest, three straight years in a bowl game, that's never happened. And Virginia and Bronco Mendenhall and, and Dave Clawson, obviously the head coach of the of the Demon Deeks. And what Bronco Mendenhall has done, back-to-back bowls, they haven't done that for 14 years. So the way that some of these programs in the ACC have also elevated themselves, I always feel like a rising tide will, will lift all boats. And if you've got Clemson in the college football playoff for a string of years and winning the conference championship as well and a team like Pittsburgh, comes out of the coastal division and makes its way to the championship game after starting the season two and three and losing to Penn state and central Florida. 
and also losing their last game of the year against Miami and then trying to challenge Clemson in the uh, ACC championship game right here in Charlotte. But the things that those programs have been able to achieve, what Syracuse was able to do, they probably gave Clemson one of their most stern tests of the entire season and, and had them essentially on the ropes there. It took a, a drive the length of the field for the Tigers to win that game and then eventually go undefeated and beat, Pitt, Pitt, beat Pittsburgh in the ACC championship game. But the fact that Debo Sweeney has that team back in the college football playoff is just miraculous and what he's done with that program. And I think their defense is so strong, and especially up front, that they're going to find themselves right back in that title game. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't wait for that Clemson-Notre uh, Dame game. I think that'll be great. The entire Final Four should be great, and uh, we'll be watching from uh, wherever we are on, on those days. Got lots of games coming up. So, uh, Tom, thanks for the time. Safe travels. We'll, we'll see you on the weekend, I guess, if you're doing the Arkansas State game, and then maybe again at the Bowl, all right? Thank you, Matty. Can't wait to get back to the Dome. Awesome. Tom Wormy, Syracuse alum of the ACC Network. And that'll uh, bring our show for today to a close. On the air again tomorrow with a 2 o'clock show in the booth. Cam Lynch, the former Orange linebacker, now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, will join us, as will Josh Wetzel, the play-by-play announcer of uh, Buffalo Bulls basketball. And then game time tomorrow night at the Dome is 8 o'clock on the air at 6.30 for that. So for Tom Wormy, our guest, we appreciate his calling. And for Tommy Hogan and Polly Sibilia, I'm Matt Park saying so long. Thanks for listening. In the booth, Brent Axe coming up at 4 o'clock today on ESPN Radio.